Welcome to Marty's Music Kitchen, the fun music and food podcast where anything can happen. Today's guest is Jason Fellman, owner and ambassador of Good Times at JFL Presents and co-lead singer and rhythm guitarist for Radical Revolution 80s Tribute and drummer for Stone in Love Journey Tribute Band. He is also the co-owner of Hairfest and Sterling Talent, organizing festivals and managing and promoting almost all the tribute bands in Portland. Musicians are spending too much time trying to get gigs. And what they should be doing is they should be spending time trying to cultivate a fan base. Because I promise you, there is no problem for any band, any band, to get gigs if you have a loyal fan base that shows up and buys the tickets. Jason says that cooking is a great break from the daily grind of business. So this foodie is happily cooking up a delicious meal of apricot chicken, orzo with Parmesan and broccoli. I think that you know cooking sometimes more, is more intimidating than it needs to be. You know, Wolfgang Puck, as corny as he is, had a really good statement. He says, you know, the key to good cooking is to uh, get the best ingredients you can and don't screw them up. And I, I feel like that kind of sums it up. What are some of Jason's favorite recipes? And what's the secret to creating a successful cover band? Find out in this great new episode of Marty's Music Kitchen. Hi, Jason. Hi. Welcome to Marty's Music Kitchen. Hey, thanks in, for having me on. In your kitchen, technically. Yeah. <laughs> what have you got going on? Um, uh, right here is uh, pistachios. So this uh, recipe, uh, the apricot chicken, has like a garnish that's early a little thing that goes on afterwards, which is crushed roasted pistachios and parsley. And so usually what I'll do is I'll put these in a Ziploc and then I'll hammer them uh -huh. to break them up. Yeah. But it's like terribly loud and you usually go through like a number of these rather expensive Ziploc oh, bags. Oh, like the double right? zipper things? Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Well, no, what happens is, what happens is the hammer equals puncture. And, and then I have to go grab another one. So I usually burn like three of them. So I'm like, there's got to be a so better got way to do this. fancy and you're doing a mortar and Yeah, so I, I just thought if I like just smack them a little bit, like maybe it would. I think that's a great idea. All right. So yeah, we'll see. And you know what? It's way quieter. It smells good. Yeah. Who knew? Yeah, this will be good. So what are we making today? All right, so it's apricot chicken. Um, it's kind of a honey mustard apricot chicken. And um, it's uh, orzo with... Um, Parmesan and uh, chicken broth, I think it is. That sounds good. Yeah, it calls for basil, but I'm way too lazy to chop up that much basil. <laughs> Plus, I've already had to do it with the parsley. All right. All right, so we're actually out of order here. I'm gonna switch the order, right? Okay. So let's see, we'll get this going here. What I did beforehand, as to not take like hours to do it, is I did the measuring, right? So. Okay, and you've got a nice big, like a uh, three inch deep they call, uh, it the, they call it. They call it the everyday pan. Well, right. I wish I had an everyday pan. Everyday pan, yeah. And I, I think that um, the reason they call it the everyday pan is because of the size. You know what I mean? Like, you notice it's like, I mean, these are essentially, I think the base is almost the same size, but mm -hmm. because of the bevel, mm -hmm. you can put more in here. The problem mm -hmm. is it's easy to over, if you're not careful, it's easy to, um, to get greedy with that and put stuff too far onto the edges. And then uh -huh. all of a sudden you're not cooking the edge oh. or the edge is sticking because there's no oil on the outside or whatever. Mm -hmm. So good um, tip. But in this particular case, it doesn't matter because all we're going to do is saute orzo. I realized after uh, learning how to make this, that it is literally the same as rice aroni, right? The, the same friends, just go to right? right? You can't there forget you that, right? Amazing. You notice that, by the way, you don't know jingles anymore. Like jingles aren't something you remember. Because commercials are totally different. There's like, there are way more of them. You don't have three channels worth of commercials. 
and you don't have to sit through them. Back then, remember, I tried to explain this to my, my kiddo. It's like, no, there were no, there was no, there was no DVR. For a lot of it, there was no VCR. Uh-huh. It was like, if you wanted to watch it, yeah. you, you was when it was on. I actually miss jingles. I always wanted to be a jingle singer. I've done a couple, but you know, way back when they actually had them, so I've been listening yeah. to uh, yeah, having in my car. It's Barry Manilow's uh, the live. Uh, well, it's, you know, it's the one with the blue cover. You know what I'm talking about? Yes, I it's do. It's like a really famous album. Anyway, he has he does the medley of all the uh, he has like Kentucky Fried Chicken and the yeah. Band Aid one. And, right, and Coca Cola, of course. Yeah, he has a whole bunch of them, right? Yeah. Um, I did Pro Golf Discount. Did you really? I still remember. That's awesome. Shop at Pro Golf Discount today. Look, it's hard it's to get. It's very cool. It, it's really hard to get even one of those through. So that's awesome. Yeah, that's very cool. Anyway, jingles, a thing of the past. So um, as you're heating this pan up, mm -hmm. tell me a little bit about what you do. Yep. So I basically divide up my world into, um, I guess, four different compartments. Um, one of them is as a performer. I'm in three bands. I'm the co-lead singer and uh, rhythm guitarist for Radical Revolution 80s tribute. I play drums in Stone and Love Journey tribute. Journey, woohoo! Journey, yeah. That was my band. Oh man, yeah. I mean, that's a, that one does really well. Um, you want to grab the orzo over there, please? I am gonna hand you the orzo. You can just chuck it in there. Woohoo! Yeah. I'm so glad to help. So then, I'm dropping this uh, cup of orzo in about what, like a quarter cup of butter? It's a uh, yeah. It's a uh, yeah. You're right. Two tablespoons, which I think is the same thing, right? So then, and I'm about to start playing drums in uh, third band, the Red Light Romeos. It's yacht rock, right? What is it? Yacht Rock, AM What's Gold. What's Yacht Rock? You know, think like Air Supply, Hall & Oates, Doobie Brothers. Of course, we all remember Air Supply. Yeah, Yacht Rock. So, you know, um, so like, uh, you know, think like a Guardians of the Galaxy soundtrack. Yeah. Right? You know, I, I already played with two of the guys in the band in Radical Revolution, so... How important is it that it's exactly like what your original band did? It's going to be different for every band. I mean, if I'm being honest, Stone in Love probably doesn't sound as much like Journey as I don't know who. You know what I mean? But um, we're pretty dang close. Uh -huh. And our version of it resonates, you know, more than anything. I mean, our singer, for example, I mean, uh, in technical terms, Steve Perry was a, you know, a really small lyric tenor. Uh -huh. Kevin Hahn is a dramatic tenor. He's got his voice is closer to Bono than it is to Steve Perry, uh -huh. but he sings with emotion. He's got the range. He's a really dynamic, personable performer, uh -huh. and everybody in the band, you know, gels rhythmically. The most important thing is the vocalist. Yep. The, the non-lead singers hate to hear this, right? But but the reality is, the lead singer in pretty much any band that's a vocal band is the most important component. Uh -huh. um, and I always use, in a tribute band sense, I use Van Halen as an example. Uh -huh. um, and this is in no deference to any of the guys out there who are doing the Eddie Van Halen parts because they're amazing guitar players. Right. But I went to music school with another, another thousand guitar players who can play those exact same parts. Right. You know what I mean? Much harder to find David Lee Roth, both in terms of the sound of the voice, but you also have to be physically fit. Is it important that they have the similar stature and Not dress like the original? I think that the, 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 the look of the band is, is dependent on how important the look of the band was to the original band. So I'll contrast two bands to, 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 to make the point. If you look at a band like um, Foreigner, for example, the average you know, Foreigner listener doesn't know what any of those guys look like. They might know what Lou Graham looks like. They uh -huh. don't even know who the other guys in the band are, uh -huh. right? Foreigner was a huge band, but you don't know, right? 
whereas Motley Crue, if you have a guy up on stage, bald, singing Motley Crue, you, it just doesn't feel like Motley Crue, right? <laughs> so, so, so those are two different examples. Whereas a foreigner tribute, I mean, as long as you look cool and you have a good dynamic performance, yeah. that works great. Okay. Um, so that, that's, how, that, that's, that's where it matters. So the look of the band matters to the extent that it was sort of part and parcel with the original brand of the band. Um, let's see, we need the liquid there. Chicken broth? Yes, please. Yeah. Um, as much as I can, I like to cook with a recipe because I don't have to think about it. Right. Yeah, I mean, like the whole point of, for me of like cooking, besides the fact that I just really like to eat good food, uh -huh. I, I don't want to pay restaurant prices and I don't want to leave the house, <laughs> is that um, Who does? it's just cathartic, you know what I mean? Like I don't, I can't focus on anything else because I have to focus on what I'm doing. I love to cook because um, it, it takes my mind off some things and allows me a little time to process other things. Uh-huh. You know, so when I'm cooking at the end of a day or... You know, I'm planning a special meal, which I do a lot now. Um, I, I enjoy the process of it. And, you know, I feel, I don't know, healthier by cooking my own food, even if my end product isn't so healthy. <laughs> so. You know, uh, yeah, I, that's another thing. While we're on the topic of healthy, mm -hmm. I just got to say it because it just drives me nuts. But I really, really, really believe that there's like way too much fiddling around with diets and tricks and fads and all that stuff. You know, I mean, you can't point to anything that has lasted for any length of time except for one basic principle. Right. Calories in, calories out. Right, exactly. It is the one knowable item. Right. Everything else is right until it's proven wrong. We sort of meander, but you would ask me what exactly I do. So being a musician is one thing. Okay. The second thing... Oh, that's right. There were four buckets. Yeah. The, the second <laughs> thing is uh, that I am a 50% owner um, of Sterling Talent. Uh, with Becky Johnson, that's a new merger this year. I took the booking part of my company, other company, JFL Presents, and took all of that business and merged it with Becky's business, Becky Johnson, who's been at this for 35 years. She completely kicks ass, and um, yeah, Way it's been go. super. We've been having a blast, and 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 what we're doing is fixed pay engagements, right? There's a fixed fee. This is the scope of work, the time, blah blah blah, whatever. That's that's what it is. The third thing is JFL Presents, which is a concert promoter and marketing entity. So mm -hmm. um, examples of that would be like uh, the Aladdin Theater Tribute Series or the Spanish Ballroom Tribute Series up in Tacoma. Or we do uh, a, a probably 35 or 40 shows a year now at Bakes Place up in Bellevue. Um, those kind of things are like all have variable outcomes. And so um, that falls under the JFL Presents business, which is more attuned to marketing now. So what are, what are your festivals? So those festivals are, one of them is Hair Fest, which is the tribute festival, and it's H-A-R-E Fest. It's uh -huh. named after the wild hair where we started the event. I'm putting salt and pepper on the chicken. That's one of the biggest secrets I've ever learned mm. is to uh, salt and pepper both sides of a chicken. Yeah. And even if you bake it, it adds so much flavor. Just that simple yeah. seasoning is like And I don't, I mean, I, I, tend, I just, I'm pretty, you know, I, I, part of it is too, when you're eating with other people and you don't know their eating habits, you don't just want to go crazy with, with salt and pepper. You know, you don't know what your, what everyone's, you know, mm -hmm. salt situation is. Mm -hmm. And that's also, we know that too much salt is bad for you. <laughs> anyway, um, so then there's JFL Presents, that's Concert Promoter. Oh, so the, then the festival thing, yeah. So that's, um, Hair Fest is one of them, and then we have the Wild Hair Country Festival. We did it the last two years. We're taking this year off. We're going to bring it back next year. Um, and that is, actually has nothing to do with tribute bands. It's Red Dirt, Country, Americana. 
a whole different market. A whole different market. These are original bands, uh, uh, you know, 70% national acts, 30% local regional mm -hmm. acts for that one. Mm -hmm. I mean, our headliner last year was Cody Johnson, who had the number one al country album in the country for Billboard uh, five months before the festival. How, um, how great was that? It was really neat. That's um, perfect timing for both of you. Yeah. Well, you know, so that whole thing, too, is, uh, yeah, I feel really lucky. <laughs> to, to, uh, yeah. I bet. Yeah. Right, I think that's probably going to be right in a minute. So we're just waiting for the oil to reheat. I, re I heated up the oil. What happened here is I heated up the oil. For the chicken? For the chicken. And then I just realized that uh, the chicken wasn't out yet. <laughs> the chicken wasn't ready to go. Yeah. The chicken was not ready to go on stage. Yeah, I think that looks okay. Yeah, I can see it. So, yeah. So those are the four businesses in a nutshell. You were a busy guy. Yeah. That's a whole other issue. <laughs> Yeah, and then you, you know, cook for your family when you come home. Yeah, well, luckily I work from home, so that makes that part of it easy. Um, how did you, I mean, my gosh, how did you ever get started in something like this? Um, well, since we have time. <laughs> well, I have until the chicken's done and whatever else is going to be in that pot, so there you go. Oh, yeah, we're good. We got plenty of time. So, uh, right out of high school, I went to Musicians Institute, to PIT, a vocational school in Los Angeles for music. And my goal was to make it, uh, make it, you know, as a musician, make right? Make it in the air quotes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like make it big, you know, <laughs> do the band thing and all that. So anyway, I came back to Portland after that, after the year, you know, after graduating. And I did the band thing for a couple years, but it just wasn't for me. I just, the lifestyle, and I, I just was, you know, I had a crappy job, and living at home, and I just, this wasn't the path I wanted to go down. So, I ended up uh, enrolling in the University of Texas in Austin. Um, my first semester at University of Texas, I met this guy, Casey Gum, who, um, to this day, is literally the single smartest person I've ever, like, personally met. Anyway, we, we became friends and, uh, and ultimately we started this business together. So it started out as sort of a technology consulting thing, but we didn't really know what we were doing, but Casey was a whiz kid and I was a, you know, a good talker. And once you like start down a path and you start telling people, well, you know, we got this business and all that stuff, it's like, then the pride kicks in. You know what I mean? It's like, all right, well, we're going to find a way to make this work. So eventually through trial and error, um, we, over the course of maybe a year and dropping out of college, we, we landed in the multimedia realm. And this was in 1994 in Austin, Texas. So like the year the graphical user interface showed up for the internet, Mosaic 1.0, there we were. And, and so, yeah, so Again, it's timing. Yeah, and, yeah, and so, I mean, we evolved into a really uh, high-level integrated marketing firm. We had about 60 employees. We were a member of the New Media 500. So we what? were like one of the 500 most uh, you had 16 influential employees? Uh, Influential media companies. I'll show you the poster later. It's a I would love that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll go get it downstairs. I have it out. So yeah, because this is big web. It's like Microsoft, you know, blah blah blah, and there's our little company on there. So I ran that for about ten years, up and down through the dot com bubble business and all that. You know, we survived on the other end. And about ten years into it, um, my uh, now wife, then fiance, had gotten her residency at OHSU. We had always wanted to move back to Portland, like Austin was kind of a pit stop. So I moved back here, I still had the company, but over a course of about two years, I phased out. Uh -huh. um, and then I had time on my hands, so I, I still had a musical itch to scratch. 
So then what I did was I, I had been writing. I, I really, Don't we all? Yeah. I hadn't been playing uh, drums for many of those years, but I had been playing um, guitar a lot. And so I need to take these out of the pan. We're taking the chicken breasts out of the pan. Yeah, and then we're just going to get them. These are going to take a little while to cook. That is the cutest little meat thermometer I've ever seen. That's all I need. Yeah, and I trust it. Uh, we don't have to get close. Oh, yeah. I have one that's about the same age, only it's gigantic. Yeah, the, the problem with these is you have to keep replacing them. Oh, the, yeah. the condensation, like, somehow it gets underneath it. Oh. You can see I have a couple other ones. Um, it's so funny, they're cute because like, it's like one's, one's chicken, they're two are adorable. beef, and one's pork. They have a little thing, you know, this is the sweet spot for, you know, 185 degrees or whatever it is, you know. Okay, wait, so we put the chicken in the oven at 425. Yeah, and we'll just, you know what we'll do? We'll just probably check in about eight minutes. I mean, it's right. not going to be done, but it'll, it'll be pretty close. And, we can eat raw chicken. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, or not. Just saying. I am a firm believer on the, on the, on the meat side of things that there are only two kinds of, of beef. Really? There's medium rare and there's wrong. You are not alone in that. Surprisingly, no. I know I, someone. I am in that dogma. I'm just like, I'm, I'm in. Um, no, I'm actually kind of kidding. Actually, one of the biggest supporters right. of his show likes a steak, if they do it right, yeah. black and blue. There are worse things to overcook, like and, green vegetables. Oh, with the travesty, mushy vegetables. Yeah, like green, Come on. green beans. That's oh, bad. Right. Oh, yeah, it's like they're in the can. Yeah, but you know, I've recently become really good at cooking asparagus, a vegetable I, I used asparagus. to hate. Great, great on the grill. And I love it. Oh, yes, definitely. Oh, okay. If oh, somebody oh. really wants a good product idea, solve this problem. It's like that game Jack Straws. We have to like, get something <laughs> out with like, it's, it's so treacherous getting so in here. I'm like, I hope there's not a blade. You just opened your drawer of like 10 million cookies. No, it looks like Jack Straws, right? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And, but but there's, there are things in here that are like perilous. Like for example, cheese grater. Hope you mm. don't cut your finger on that. Yeah. Oh yeah, we gotta make the sauce here. We better get that going. <laughs> All right, making the sauce. All right, so see, we have a little like, um, that, that's one of the funny things about the recipe is it calls for like boneless, skinless chicken breasts, but then it's like, deglaze the pan. It's like, well, there's nothing to deglaze because there's no fat. Right. <laughs> you know, it's just kind of a weird. Oh, well, but, it's okay. Uh, it's got some nummy brown No, it'll be it. good. Well, you know what? We're going to maximize it. All right. So, um, so you've got Parmesan in hand. I'm assuming that's Parmesan. Yeah, Parmesan. Yeah, because I figure, mm. you know, it, 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 so far, we haven't done anything to, to, to completely like make this unhealthy yet, because all it is is chicken broth. I mean, you know, two tablespoons of butter is not that much. It's saltless butter, right? Mm -hmm. The health benefits of Parmesan cheese, I think, you are, know, I are, think are, are they're, outstanding. They're, yeah, I, I was going to say debatable, <laughs> but I'm going to go with what you, where you are with yeah, that. Yeah, just say outstanding. Uh -huh. You know what? If you mix that up for I'm me, I'm going to mix it. Rad. I can do it. Because then I can deal with this, which I'd like sitting here. I often on. work in Marty's Music Kitchen, so, you know. We'll work for food. So at this point, it seems good. Let's give it a medium-low heat. All right, so let's not burn this because we're. I'm doing. Uh, I realize I'm doing uh, somewhat sugar, so I don't want to cook it too hot. I'm just scraping the stuff off the bottom. I'm assuming yeah, that's awesome. what you want me to do. Yeah, I mean, it's all, and the heat's off now. So at this point, it'll just stick in a little bit as it evaporates. So that's kind of cool. And that one's done. Yes, it is kind of cool. Uh, broccoli's done because I uh, already done did it. Yeah. We had broccoli with the family as well. All right, talk me through what you're doing. All right, so I'm adding the uh, into the pan that had the um, previously had the uh, chicken. Yeah. While the chicken's in the oven, I'm putting in the uh, apricot 
uh, mm -hmm. jam mm -hmm. and Dijon, uh, two tablespoons, so it's a quarter cup of the, of the jam and then two tablespoons of Dijon mustard and two tablespoons of honey. That sounds delicious. Yeah, and then you're like, supposed to like deglaze. This is we're gonna get our deglazing the pan uh, while I'm mixing together, which I really should be using a whisk for this. Uh, don't cut yourself in that drawer. Right, I'm telling you. <laughs> well, luckily I know the pizza cutter is in the dishwasher. That's the number one enemy mm. in that drawer. Um, but yeah, you don't want to get in there when you're in a hurry. So yeah, so what I'm doing is I'm slowly heating up the, 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 the olive oil and the chicken bits that were in the pan while the chicken's in the oven. Got the apricot, the honey, and the mustard in the pan here, heating up. There we go. It smells delightful. I like, I like um, with meat, I like fruity stuff. Mm -hmm. That whole thing. Mm -hmm. So at this point, all we have to do is when the chicken's done, we'll just stick it back in here and, and then we're eating. What's the plan? Are you gonna throw it in? The chicken? Yeah. Yeah, I'm just literally gonna throw it in there, actually. Except probably won't throw it because it'll splash. <laughs> yeah. Well, while that's going on, so this little garnish business is um, we, we, we come full circle. We're back to the pistachios where we we're started, back. right? You like that? We're back to this side of the counter. So one of the things that the recipe calls for is pistachios, uh, roasted salted pistachios. But mm. um, again, sort of in the spirit of... Uh, I don't know. I think they're, I think they're chopping up rather nicely. So this Oop, is working. Your last the, one, I'm going to eat it. This is totally working. But these are unsalted, so I am going to add salt because I feel like it's going to be a criminal sin if we don't. A little bit. Mix it all up. Size. You know what I mean? Oh, it's just a, yeah. a tweener. So, but I'm just gonna leave it like that. Chunky, yeah, like chunky be fine. peanut butter size. Yeah, which is actually pretty chunky good. Chunky pistachio size. So yeah, so then we got. I already chopped up some parsley uh, earlier. I'll probably chop it a little bit more. Yeah, you chopped the heck out of that. I um, you know what? The the older I get, the the lazier I get when it comes to chopping. Like for example, um, I've started buying um, like pre-peeled garlic. Yeah. Right? Well, you know what I've started buying? Pre-chopped onion. I did that too. I just did that. It saves <laughs> so much best. time. I just don't care. It's the best. And it's actually, actually not that much more expensive. No. And you know what I love? Oh, look at you. All super crushed garlic too. I yeah. love um, putting, if I have to chop an onion, I'm going to cry. Um, what I do is I chop it up. The same thing with mushrooms. After I chop them, <laughs> I put them in baggies in the freezer because those are super easy just to throw in a pan, and by the time you're done sauteing them, they're awesome. They're better for soups and stews. You know what's funny? There, there are very few foods that I don't like, but mushrooms are probably at the top of my list. Oh, it, my, well. it's, it, it's, a, it's a funny thing with my family, in fact, because um, uh, my, my brother and my parents and stuff, because they, they all like them, right? Um, ironically, my daughter likes them, um, but, uh, but I... Not so much? I, you know what? I like the flavor and I like the smell. I just... Texture of it, mushrooms, no, nah, I can't do it. Um, all right, so I think I'm gonna mix up this parsley business with the pistachios. With the pistachio business? So this is like the, um, what do they call this? Like, uh, it starts with a Minced? G, Gre gremolata or something like that. Or what is it? Chopped herb condiment, classically made of lemon zest, garlic, and parsley. All right, so it's a chopped condiment and it's got parsley, so we're like two out of five, two fifths. <laughs> this is two fifths gremolata. <laughs> Well, now I know. Awesome. Right? So what happened after you and Casey, you know, were on the Microsoft poster? Oh, well, um, well so there actually there were four of us, actually. We actually, over the course of time, so Casey and then um, 
my friend Steve from high school, uh, in that first like really formative year, um, he joined up with us um, and became a full partner and he sort of brought the multimedia element. So Casey was more on the programming side, the IT side, the IS side. Steve had a more of a multimedia project management bent. He was running the multimedia lab in the College of Engineering down there mm -hmm. as a student. He dropped out just like the rest of us. Um, and then my buddy Davin, who's the, probably the second smartest person I've ever met, next to Casey, um, was uh, living up here. He and I were in bands together. He um, was my brother's guitar teacher. And then when my brother like left for foreign exchange, he actually became my guitar teacher. And then he was in a band, and he knew that I played drums. And so, um, and so I ended up playing the band oh, with him. And I can play guitar. Oh wait, um, you know that. <laughs> well, so he he um, but he so anyway so we, you know we became best friends and um, and then we were able to afford to bring him down. He ultimately became there were four of us that were equal partners in the business by the time we got going. Oh, I never did finish telling you the story. So basically, what ended up happening was I I had some time. You know, I was doing some consulting with my own old company. You know, sort of a phase out. Um, and so I, I always had one thought it would be fun to do an album like of my songs. And I'm not like, like I, I'm an okay songwriter, but I'm not great. I don't necessarily even enjoy the process that much, as, as weird as that sounds. Um, I like to perform. I don't, I, I can't stand sitting in the studio. Like there's nothing I hate worse than recording. And songwriting is tedious to me and it's also physically uncomfortable to sit there and do. I started playing out with my original band. I remember playing at like places like, uh, Dublin Pub, Buffalo Gap, the Green Room when it existed, mm -hmm. um, maybe a few other places. But the, what struck me at the time was, was unusual is that you, you basically were having to make a choice. You know, if you wanted to be able to pay your musicians, you need to be able to take the entire night and get paid for the entire night. If you wanted to take the entire night, you had to actually be worth playing for an entire night. Mm -hmm. You couldn't play four hours of original music. I don't care who you are. I don't want to hear you my I don't want to hear my favorite band do three full sets of their own stuff. I mean, mm -hmm. maybe Rush. Other than that, <laughs> nobody else. And Rush isn't going to happen anymore. So I mean, no. nobody. There's nobody Sadly, I want to hear three uh, hours of their material. So Neil Peart, one yeah. of the most amazing yeah. drummers ever. Definitely my favorite. You know. Yeah. Well, um, you're now you're speaking my language yeah. because that's what, yeah. as a, you know, with my own band, that's what I run into all the time. Is like, yeah. how can you afford to pay your musicians well, so, a decent amount of money for just one night? So here's the dynamic. So. The thing is, I could afford to pay them, but that wasn't the point. I'm not just going to like have some hobby where I'm like paying a bunch of musicians out of my pocket so I can scratch an itch. You know what I mean? Like it needs to be. I, I won't feel good about it if it's not solvent. So I came up with this thought process of let's um, let's take the like the last third, you know, half the third of the gig, and we're going to call it '80s night or something like that. I forgot what it was. Hey, so but the bottom line was we're going to play '80s music for like, you know, a third to half the time, and at the end of the night. It, it achieved a couple of things. Really, it was obvious, like super fast, right? Three things. Uh, one was that the intended goal was, was achieved, which was that people were staying to the end of the night because that was super fun to do the 80s music. At the same time, it wasn't that big of a deal for them to kind of you know, ease their way in and listen to some of my songs and plus some of the other covers that weren't 80s. So that all, all itches were scratched, right? And I love 80s music because I grew up in the 80s, right? So I was like, so what I discovered was that, that was that was when the light bulb went off. I'm like, wow, I'm having more fun playing 80s covers than I am playing my own stuff. <laughs> so, and that's why I like had the self-realization of like, okay, well, what I really enjoy is um, performing, you know? And so, and so then I'm like, hey man, why don't we just do 80s stuff, right? Clearly that's, you know, we all are having fun. People want to do it. We get paid a lot of money to do it. So that was the beginning, right? We had the 80s cover band. 
I mean, I'll spare you the whole evolution of it, but a couple of interesting statistics about that band is that we've been a band for 13 years, never lost a member. We started as a four-piece, we've added two since then, but we've never lost a member. We also spawned Stone in Love, so that was the other, part, other sort of part of the journey, pun intended, <laughs> um, is that... Um, that was funny. Yeah, so... Uh, this is like, we're just going to eat this, but I am going to cut it open just to make sure that it's not like fool's gold on the done part. Um, by the way, the secret knife of all things is the ceramic knife for cutting anything soft or vegetables. Never needs to be sharpened, cuts through a tomato like a Ginsu cuts a really? watermelon. I didn't know. I love that tip. This Thank is you. amazing. Ceramic knife. Ceramic knife for vegetables? Anything soft. Anything yeah. soft. Got well, it. And herbs and stuff like that. It just it rips through that. You never have to. Everyone in this room is nodding yeah. their head. Like, okay. The other thing that I actually had uh, been told, I didn't realize this, but the reason why you use the carving fork rather than sticking another fork or something else into it is because the other ones leave all the juice, get more juice out of it. Mm -hmm. But that's kind of silly because I'm also going to cut it in half. <laughs> right. This is looking really okay. tasty right, and perfectly right. done. Yeah, yeah. So, so because we use the thermometer, right? I have, I have no uh, qualms about, you know, I know like point. You don't, oh, you don't get extra points for like knowing when it's done. It's like use a thermometer. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're not being judged on whether or not you can like guess if it's no right No one's going to know in your kitchen. If yeah, <laughs> yeah. No heroes in cooking. Or if you if the, do if, use the, the food sucks, it's not good. Oh. So anyway, so but we, we, we sort of jokingly called it, we said we'll call it Stone and Love. And we build it as, you know, the Breakfast Club with special guests, Stone and Love. Where we, we did five journey songs at the end of remember that's the playbook. Put it at the end. People stick around for the end. Right? And they did because everybody wants to hear the journey in that situation. And so we did it and the place went bananas. And then it just kind of took off from there. And so after Stone in Love kind of happened, you know, probably about five shows in, um, through a referral from somebody, I was able to book the band at the Aladdin. And, uh, and then... That's we, nice. Yeah, so then we sold it out. And so that was... Um, awesome. That was really exciting, and it was a super fun show. We actually kept... We have the whole... I have a good video of it. I can show you later if you're interested. <laughs> of just the last song. It's a zoo. Um, and it really just kind of launched the whole thing, because what happened was I got contacted by a couple members of Appetite for Deception, which is just like ridiculously authentic uh, local Guns N' Roses tribute. And, you know, they, they approached me and they said, you know, we're, um, you know, we've, we've got this band and the band's good, but the, we're not, you know, the kind of gigs we're playing are, you know, we're playing these three-hour gigs over at the back alley wherever in uh, Vancouver. And we're like, that's not really, you know, we feel like there's, there's more to it. And they asked if, you know, I, I would be, willing to, you know, they noticed what had happened with the, with the Journey show, and, and they were honest about it. And I they actually noticed. Well, they no, happened to notice but, but, but what's, what, what, what's the interesting show. about this, and I, I say this to this day, which is their band, they are better at Guns N' Roses than we are at Journey. Um, so they had a good point, which is they're like, wait a minute, these guys aren't as good as we are, and they're like packing this place out, and we're over here playing at the back alley. So mm -hmm. I, and I actually agree, they are, that, they are amazing. But when we met, there was just a really good vibe among us, and I thought, well, okay, the inquisitive part of me was like, this is a really good opportunity to learn something. So what we did was um, we came up with a strategy together and we implemented the strategy and we put the end there with the first show we did together was at the Aladdin. Because at that point it was great. I had a little bit of credibility with the owners. It, uh, incidentally, True West, which owns the Aladdin, now full circle, 
later on, look, they're the ones who do all this amazing work for us for Hairfest and it's the like festivals. And, yeah. It's like you oh, keep coming back. But it also speaks to how like small, the, I mean, you could just, you know, the map of the Portland music scene is like really small, especially when you get to a certain level. It's like just, it's just really small number of players. It's fascinating. Mm. So anyway, we did their show at the Aladdin and we sold it out. I, as I was looking around the room, I'm like, wow. The, the craziest thing hit me, I'm like, I recognize about like 25% of these people from the Stone and Love show. <laughs> and that's when it like really hit me. I'm like, these are just, all these bands are just like, their audiences are overlapping circles of audience, right? And so at that point, I started like, that, that was when the, the, where we started to get into what I, I, I call scene building. Musicians are spending too much time trying to get gigs. And what they should be doing is they should be spending time trying to cultivate a fan base. Because I promise you, there is no problem for any band, any band, to get gigs if you have a loyal fan base that shows up and buys the tickets. It is not a problem, right? I mean, in a nutshell, that's the laser focus. Because what, and what happens is bands, what they'll do is they'll, like, they'll put short-term, I gotta play, I gotta play, I gotta play. So they'll overplay. Don't capitalize on any of that. Burn out their audience. Don't capture any of the information about who comes to their show. So they basically burn out their audience, get nothing out of it, they fold and it's over. Whereas a little bit of self-discipline to control your schedule. If you want to play more, you've got to get out of the market. Um, then you can build some anticipation for your next show. People will buy tickets because they don't go, oh, well, you know what, I'll just see them you know, next week. I'd rather play half as much and make twice as much per gig, personally. Uh, so would I. Wouldn't we all? Yeah. That'd be great. Yeah. Um, so anyway, so that was the beginning of the tribute scene, and from there, you know, it just sort of grew organically, you know, I started Tribute Tuesday with 105.9 The Brew, like, I, we, it might be like six or seven years ago now, I think we've been doing this forever, with Slick's Big Time Barbecue is also there since the beginning, doing the free, so what happens is, for Tribute Tuesday, the first Tuesday every month, you can win tickets to a free concert event up at the iHeart Lounge, right, up at their record, performance studio. Nice. And so, when you get there... And it, you, you, it doesn't cost anything, but you have to win your way in, right? So, which is kind of a cool deal. And it's cool for the bands because their name is all over the radio for like weeks leading up to this thing. And it's just super fun. And you can do it in promotion of a show. So like we'll have maybe like a, a month out from the Aladdin series, maybe we'll put them at Tribute Tuesday. So it's strategic because then we're going to have ticket gives on the brew. It's mm -hmm. an amazing partnership. And so anyway, so them and then what happens is you get there. And, uh, and you get there at 6 o'clock, doors open, and you go through the buffet that Slick's bar Big Time Barbecue provides, and he brings something different every time. You know, so it's always kind of like, and you know, he and, and, and Barbie, his wife and partner, are there, and um, it's awesome. And then, then uh, you have about a half hour to eat and enjoy that, and there's like free drinks from whoever's, you know, sponsoring at the time. Um, there's usually, you know, alcoholic beverages and energy drinks and sodas and all that stuff. And then you get like a little 45-minute concert, and you're out of there by 7.15. Wow. Yeah. If someone has a band anywhere out there in listener land and they want to know how to market, we just got like, I don't know, a $10,000 consultant. I don't know about that. Fee yeah. free. That was great. So. But, you know, we, you know, over the years, I, I have booked a lot of gigs. And so you learn some things after a while. Hmm. Um, Are we headed to the table? Yeah. We're so ready. during this conversation, you've sauced up, you cut the chicken breasts in half, you sauced them up. And uh, we're taking the um, combination of the pistachios and the parsley. Yeah, and then with people us. can just put it on on top of there. You want me to put it on top now? Yeah. Oh uh, no, no, we'll just take it no, all later. Together. Okay. Yeah, we just take two seconds and warm that up. Yeah, melt, heat it up. Melt the Make cheese. Make the cheese yeah, melt. Yeah. You really know your stuff with the cooking you as well you know as what? the music. You know what's funny? So this is this is first of all, this is why the internet's awesome. 
because you can just there's the infinite number of recipes and tips. I actually have fun watching cooking shows. It's really funny. What? In your spare time? Well, no, you know, I used to be, um, and it's funny because Jim Gaffigan has actually a routine about this, so it must be really common, but I would watch the, uh, the cooking shows and you'd, you'd pick up like technique. Or, you know, recipe books, if you just read it, they'll, they'll tell you things like, well, don't, you know, sugar heats up fast, don't, you know, uh -huh. or deglaze the pan. I mean, it's like some of this stuff just kind of like, uh -huh. you see it a few times and then you're like, okay, yeah. it's every recipe. There's a show you. on uh, PBS, The Great British Baking Show, I think it's called. I, every once in a while, I'm flipping through and I get sucked into that yeah. because I like seeing what the different teams yeah. are doing in the right? oven and like, oh, well, that came out this way and they should have done this or, oh, if they, if, can they fix this? Because it's just really full of tip after tip after tip, which is good for me. I understand you're a jazz singer. I am a jazz singer. Tell me um, about that. I have my own band. Um, Marty Mendenhall Band, and I sing a variety of originals and standards, and mm -hmm. I have recently started working in some jazzy covers. And listening to you talk, I am very inspired to do more covers. And I don't know that I could say, you know, Marty Mendenhall does Pat Benatar, but you know, I'm a huge Pat Benatar fan. Uh -huh. <laughs> so, you know, that could be interesting and fun, but I'm trying to figure out how to apply everything you've been talking about to my own band, mm -hmm. uh, which is fun. And I'm sure everyone out there is trying to do, take it apart and analyze it and do the same thing I'm doing right now. Whoa. So anyway, my last gig was at the Manoran Underground and it was uh, really great. And I had a really good time because I also love to perform. And what I get burnt out on is constantly having to contact the venue, find out what they are, uh, you know, what do they pay, find out what their capacity is, are they only looking for duos or trios, and it is a lot of work to do that all by yourself, so. Yeah, yeah. Well, I hear you, uh, <laughs> even now, <laughs> pretty much. Awesome, yep. this looks great. All right, so here we are at the table, and I'm, um, I'm dishing up a plate, here you go, my friend. Broccoli, got the chicken on the plate, I'm a broccoli fan. Okay, wait. Um, where does this parsley stuff go? On top of the uh, top chicken, of the yeah. And then Parmesan. This was actually the Parmesan. Um, is it orzo? Yep. It was super easy to make. So easy. Yeah, I, I, mean, actually, I was surprised. This is really straightforward. I mean, if you think about it, it's just procedural. You know, what I mean, there isn't like any like advanced technique involved in making any of this. No, it's like add this, add this, and done. Yeah. I mean, there, there are certain dishes that are sort of, um, I don't want to use the word idiot proof, that's not the word we're looking for, but like, I think that, you know, cooking sometimes more, is more intimidating than it needs to be. You know, Wolfgang Puck, as corny as he is, had a really good statement. He says, you know, the key to, my brother always reminds me of this, is the key to good cooking is to uh, get the best ingredients you can and don't screw them up. <laughs> right? I mean, that kind of like, some, and that, I feel like that kind of sums it up. It's good, right? Oh my gosh. <laughs> You were looking at my reaction just now. The listeners were looking at my reaction. This is absolutely delicious. The mustard has that zing in it, and you've got the sweetness of the sauce. Well done. This is nicely done. Thanks. Really, really delicious. Good so you can, you can book bands, and you can cook. I'm impressed. That's about it. Like well, okay, so if you had any advice for a band out there, 
that is just getting started uh, with some covers, what would it be? Generally, the two things that lead to making money are, it's going to sound terrible, but it's alcohol <laughs> and dancing. Well, the second part sounds good, but basically, people need to dance. I don't know. The first part sounds yeah. pretty good to me, well, too. Well, people need to dance, and alcohol sales need to happen. That, that's when bands make money, when those two things are happening. So if your approach doesn't yield those two things in large volume, something has to be tweaked. I think that the, the musician's biggest enemy is the la uh, inability to self-assess like what skill, where you really are in the grand scheme of things, like what, where your act is, where your voice is, where your rhythm is, whatever it is, you know? And to take the ego out of it and say, you know what? I gotta like step this up if I wanna compete, you know? And I, I don't mean that in a winner or loser kind of capacity, because I think there are no actually enough gigs that, you know, people who are willing to work hard enough, and I think they're all out there. But I mean in terms of like, more like, it's not something that just because you feel it on the inside, that doesn't entitle you to a gig, you know what I mean? Like musicians, like, this feels good to play this song, therefore I'm kicking ass. But stuff like that happens all the time. And, um, Get good advice and don't listen to your friends and family because they're all going to tell you how great you are. It's like, you know, booking agents, most booking agents will tell you what's wrong. The problem is it's really hard to hear it. I can't tell you how many times a day I have to say, you know what? This vocalist is not going to cut it. It's not cutting through. All right. So the advice is have someone listen to you outside yourself. Mike and Walker give you some tips. runs uh, uh, marketing for the Crystal Ballroom, among other things. He's also a brilliant keyboardist. Um, I, um, I was moderating a panel on marketing, and he said like the most profound thing that I think I've, I've ever heard. We were asking for that one thing. He asked the, we, I asked the same question you just asked of the whole panel, and he said, really? You just have to be awesome. And that is the bottom line. I guarantee you, there is no act that has it all going correctly mm -hmm. that's just sitting there wallowing. Not in the, not in the cover band, working band business. Mm -hmm. But you have it together, it, 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 all the elements in place, it shows up really quickly. It's easy to notice because not that many people get it right. Yeah, sage advice. This has just been so thought-provoking, and I love your stories, and I love your cooking. I want to say thank you for being on the show. Mm -hmm. I appreciate you having me. It's been super fun. Yeah, hasn't I it? I love it. Yeah, I've never done anything like it. It's really neat. <laughs> well, there's a first like, time for everything. Yeah, I'm like, wow, it's like I'm getting on a cooking show. <laughs> it's like, fun. Yeah, I appreciate it. It's great. It's great that you're a musician. You like understand all the dynamics. It, it really makes it interesting. Yeah, and you deserve to be on a cooking show, so I'll just say that. And well, people can find um, the Orzo recipe online, and we'll hook them up with a chicken recipe, and uh, you're going to be good to go. Thanks, Jason. Oh, thank you very much. I'm your host, jazz singer Marty Mendenhall. Find out how you can support this podcast and get a free digital or hardbound season one cookbook as part of the perks at patreon.com forward slash Marty Mendenhall. Thanks so much for listening and see you next time on Marty's Music Kitchen. The Marty's Music Kitchen podcast is brought to you in cooperation with Oregon Music News.